0: Let's get to our passage today and we'll get to our last installment of the Prayers That Change Everything series. It comes from Colossians 1 verses 12 to 14. The Word of God reads, "...and giving joyful thanks to the Father..." who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for these past few weeks that we've been talking about prayer. God, that you've been sharing your heart of prayer with us. God, teach us how to pray. We want to be a church that prays. We want to be a church that not just says words into the air, but we want to be a church that understands the person and the God that we're coming before, that we get to pray to, that we get to talk to, that we get to hear your voice. Lord, we want to be a church that prays. We want to be a church that is absolutely confident that prayer is what you want most, and that it is through our prayers, God, that you're going to use to change, continue continue to change our lives. So God, convince us not only of the need but move us to actually pray father we thank you and we depend upon you for all this in Jesus name we pray amen so yeah this is our last week in the prayer series and I hope you've been you know learning a lot I've actually been learning a lot I've, I've actually preached this before uh this passage but not in the ways that we've been doing it but you know I've been really being challenged every single week because you know, a lot of times I just pray generically. I don't know if you're like me, but I just pray generically for people. God, help them to be happy, to be good, you know, or stuff like that. But these things are really teaching me and reminding me once again that our prayers actually count. And, you know, if I can just kind of almost like sabotage my whole sermon, you know, if once again, if we, if we get reminded to the, to the heart of Christ, when, we, when he taught us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, words matter, but our hearts matter so much more. And so hopefully as we pray all these prayers, it's not just a matter of, oh, yeah, I prayed for the fruit thing. Oh, yeah, I prayed that they'll grow in the knowledge of God thing. But we won't put our confidence in that so much, but we'll put our confidence in the God that wants to do that in people. And hopefully our hearts will grow and expand to actually care if people bear fruit. Or if people grow in the knowledge. And so it's a transformational thing, not only for us, but for them as well. And that's exactly what prayer was designed to be. So you guys understand that? So let's get to our last week's, uh, our last installment of prayer. You know, last week we said that there are four things that we are to pray for, that people will bear fruit, people will grow in the knowledge of God, that people will be empowered by the Spirit. And we also said that the last thing that we pray for people is thanksgiving. Today we're going to go over that last one, thanksgiving and, you know, a lot of people think that Thanksgiving is just like a reaction or it's just like an emotion that you experience when somebody does something good for you. You know, someone gives you a gift you're like, oh, thanks. You know, we think that that's all Thanksgiving is. And it kind of is. But actually, it's so much more than just a reaction or just an emotion. Have you ever noticed that maybe you memorized verses? Have you ever noticed that there are scripture, there are verses that command us to be thankful right? Did you ever memorize one of those or hear one of those? Of course we have. I'm going to share two verses with you today, but there are so many in scripture that command us to be thankful. Um, I'm going to share one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Psalm 104 says this, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. What does it say? Be thankful to God and bless his name. These are like instructions on coming into worship, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything, give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Isn't that amazing? God is commanding us to be thankful. And so the thing is, if God is commanding us to be thankful, then thanksgiving isn't just a reaction or an emotion, is it? It isn't. It's so much more. It's something that we have control over, kind of like a spiritual gift. And therefore, not only is it a discipline that we can grow in, but it's a discipline that we're commanded to grow in. Have you ever thought of Thanksgiving as a spiritual discipline? Probably not, right? But this is where we need to. You guys have, ever, have you ever thought of Thanksgiving as a spiritual discipline? It seems unnatural, right? It's weird. You know, you need to train yourself to be thankful. And it sounds unnatural, and it kind of is. But there's a lot of commands in Scripture that are unnatural. Love your enemies. Doesn't make sense. Turn the other cheek. Did he hit you? Oh, yeah, you should turn the other cheek. Let him hit the other one. It doesn't make sense. And just as unnatural as those things are, being thankful all the time is somewhat unnatural as well. And the reason why is because You know, especially people who live in 2021, you know, if you're second gen, you're Western society, we've kind of, we're a little bit more affluent than the rest of the world. You know, we, a lot of times we've grown up looking at the things that we don't have rather than actually focus on the things that we do have. You know what I'm saying? Like my wife and I, we bought like the top of the line iPhone X or 10 or whatever you call that thing, you know? Top of the line, biggest gigabyte thing, biggest screen, whatever. But you want to know something? One year later, we ain't looking at our phones. We're looking at everybody else who got a, everybody else has got an iPhone 12. And we're like, damn, I want those three cameras. You know, that's what we're doing. That's what, you know, we have a great phone. But for some reason, we look at what we don't have rather than what we actually do have within our pockets. We tend to complain about what our friends aren't doing for us, rather than looking at all the things that they're actually doing. It's so much easier to be negative and to look at the glass as half full, rather than looking at the glass, or sorry, the glass half empty, rather than looking at the glass that's half full. And the thing is this, if we continue to operate our lives like this, not only will we continually be training our hearts to be critical and we're actually training our hearts to get smaller, but we will continually fail to see and enjoy all that God has actually given us right now, and all the things that God is doing within our lives right now, and that's a crime as a Christian, right? You can't do that. You can't let that go by. You know, complainers rarely live a life of blessings. Complainers rarely live a life of blessings. You know why? Because uh, they never allow the grace of God to shape how they look at their lives. And because of that, that effectively blocks out blessings, you know, from their lives. So they never get to see it. They never get to enjoy it. But thankful people, however, they know that every single second, every single relationship, every single challenge, every single responsibility and task that they've been given is a gift. And therefore, they embrace it and operate in that thanksgiving, right, in that grace of God. Therefore, thankfulness is, thankfulness is the doorway, is the pathway to operating your whole life in and through the grace of God. And this is what God wants for all of us, right? This is what we were created for. But because it's so unnatural, but yet, because it's absolutely necessary for our spiritual growth. That's why we need to pray for people to grow in this discipline of thanksgiving. Do You guys get that? That's why we need to pray for people. So uh, there are three reasons for thanksgiving that our passage tells us that we need to grow through. Our sainthood, our salvation, and our sinlessness. Okay, sinlessness. I tried really hard to make it three S words, but it, oh well, who cares? Anyway... Uh, You guys know I'm not like that, but i try. Anyway, uh, the first is this. We pray that people will be thankful for their sainthood, verse 12, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now, the thing is, any Jew who would have read this verse, they would know right away that there's a lot of Old Testament vocabulary. There's a lot of Old Testament references here right? And the thing is this, you know, whenever you read that word inheritance, what it's talking about is all the promises that are exclusively for God's people that he shared with in the Old Testament. That's the inheritance, right? Whenever you see this, this phrase, holy people, a lot, of translate, a lot of other Bibles translate it as saints. That's why I say sainthood. You know, whenever you see that word saints, what it's talking about is uh, it refers to God calling his people his, right? His people, his holy people, his people who reflect his character, his saints. But what's interesting is that the defining characteristic of a saint was something that only became available to us after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, many years ago, right before I got married, right after I got married, I forget, uh, I obtained gold Frequent flyer status with the Star Alliance. Does anyone anyone here, you know what I'm saying? Frequent flyer status, right? It is so good. Anyway, if you, have, if you have gold-like status with these guys, uh, you get upgraded to business class for free if there are seats open. You get priority luggage so that when you get off the plane, your luggage is like the first to come out. How good is that? You, you know, you, you get you to get check in not where the economy people check in. You get to check in with the first class people. You know what I'm saying? It makes you feel really, really special. Anyway, it's totally awesome. One time my wife and I, we, were, we found ourselves in an airport. Where were we? Frankfurt. Frankfurt, Germany. And uh, we had totally forgotten that day that we had this status. I don't know how that happens, but it happens when you're too tired on your honeymoon. And so we were, we, were, we were afraid for, and we found ourselves stuck in this smoke-filled gate, you know, waiting for our flight. And we were dreading the next three hours waiting for our flight when all of a sudden I remembered, hey, hold up. What are we doing here? You know, we have gold status. You know, let's go to the lounge, man. We should be like taking showers in the lounge and we should be like eating the free food in there. What are we doing out here? So that's what we did. We went in and we're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Yes, it was so good. I remember it was so good that we actually one time forgot where we were going. (laughs) We didn't know where we were going to go. It was that good. But if I'm honest with you, what I love the most about this status, uh, or at least going into the airport lounge, is that it's so exclusive you know these days it's not because you can just pay 50 bucks and go into the Qantas lounge back then 15 20 years ago you couldn't you had to fly like a few hundred thousand miles to get that status and so those when you went in like you knew you were part of the elite company you know and you felt like it you felt like a king and they treated you like that too it was awesome anyway we're not here to brag about uh where am I what am I talking about Oh, here we go. Having that kind of frequent flyer status is pretty amazing. You know, you walk into these lounges, you get treated like a king, you know, at the checkout desk, whatever it is, the ticketing desk, you get treated like a king. It's awesome, you know. Um, But it really is nothing compared to your spiritual status in Christ. You know, the first one, it gives you exclusive access to a lounge room the second one gives you exclusive access to God himself. You know, people in the Old Testament, they longed for that. They, you know, truthfully, in the Old Testament, only one person on one day out of the year could actually have direct access to God. And if he wasn't holy, if he wasn't sinless, you know what happened to him? He died, you know, so that's a very fearful thing. But then, you know, when we read here... When Christ died upon the cross, something amazing happened when Christ died upon the cross. Yeah, if, you, if you know the accounts, Easter's coming out, we'll read it then. When Christ died upon the cross, uh, there's, this, there's, this, there's this phrase that you read. It says, the veil in the temple was torn. Right? The veil is like this wall. And the veil represented restricted access to God. No one could get through that veil. But God himself tore that veil from top to bottom, telling us and indicating to us, that there is no such thing as restricted access anymore. Everyone now has full access to me personally. And that's, that's, that was that's you know that's awesome. We can now pray to God directly. We can now talk to God directly. You know, we can now worship God directly. We can actually hear his voice directly, me and him, you and him. You know, and he is now personally invested and committed into your life. That all happened because of the death and resurrection of Christ. That veil was torn. What did we do to achieve that eternal status? Did we fly a million miles? Did you have to pray a million prayers? No, we didn't. God qualified us for that status through the death and resurrection of his son. Jesus' death and resurrection made us saints who now enjoy the promises of God and unrestricted access to God. And we didn't do a thing to get it. He did it all. You know, I think our generation today, I think we fail to understand how amazing a privilege that is. You hear this, you know, 2,000 years ago, if a Jew heard this, they would have been floored. But we've heard it 10 million times at church so often that we probably don't even think twice, you know. It's like, oh yeah, we can fast forward if you're watching the live stream, right? We could just fast forward on this part because we heard it 10 million times. And we take it totally for granted. We take the the gift of being able to pray to God for granted. We take this gift of being able to sing these worship songs directly to God for granted. And because we do, you know what happens? We actually miss out on communing with God. We actually miss out on exchanging hearts. With God, how many times have you left a church service and you're like, oh yeah, that was okay. You know, that's like the saddest comment of anybody who goes to church you know, or you walk into your car and all you can do is criticize the band or criticize the welcoming ministry or not the the, welcoming, you you, you welcoming ministry, you should never be criticized, you guys are awesome. Or you criticize the pastor, you know, or the sermon. Oh, how sad. Those are the saddest comments of people who leave a church. You know, if you're not leaving the church saying, oh man, wasn't God awesome today? Oh, I can't believe I encountered him. I I heard his voice or I just got actually humbled and broke. Whatever it is. You know, but if we have any other comment, I think it's an indicator. That we're taking this exclusive access privilege for granted, you know, and because we do, a lot of times, you know, Christians end up living these religiously conscious lives. We do, you know, people who go to church long enough, they're religiously conscious, but we never really operate out of this deep connection that we can actually have with God himself. You know, if we did, we'd walk away Every single time we met with God or every single, every worship service, just in awe and thankful for the things that he's done in our lives, for the things that he's doing, for the things that we know that he's going to do, even though we don't see it. And so we can operate by faith. But because we don't, a lot of times the best Christianity could ever be it is a moral guideline. Oh, man, I should do this. I shouldn't do that. You know, or what I like to call a religious comfort blanket. You know, oh, yeah, I guess if I just do that enough, it, it's Okay. You know, and that's, and, that's, and that's the best it can get. But the thing is, none of us were meant for that. This whole part of this whole passage that we're supposed to celebrate and what makes us thankful is that Christ gave his life for us so that we could have exclusive access to God himself, so that we could know him and be loved by him and be celebrated by him personally. He made us saints so that we could not only inherit all of the promises that God's people says that they're going to receive from God himself, but so that we could have exclusive access to him every moment of every day. But because we so easily take that for granted within our lives, that's why we need to pray for people so that Christianity isn't humdrum and on cruise control, but so that every day we can truly realize what a great privilege and gift it is to actually know God personally. Right? That's all we need to pray for people to be thankful each and every single day for the grace that made them his saints. Secondly, let's also pray that they will be thankful for their salvation. Verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Do you guys know what the worst birthday celebrations at church is? Uh, I'm a youth pastor and I used to do this all the time. They're the absolute worst. They're those month, Do you guys do monthly birthday celebrations for students, right? It's okay. If you guys do that in your children's ministry, I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but I'm just going to – my personal testimony is they're the worst. If you were part of my youth group and you're watching, I totally apologize. Uh, but they were horrific, you know. Uh, we would After service, we would bring out this cake with the, all these candles on it. And I was such a bad youth pastor. I wouldn't even um, – I wouldn't even, like, memorize the names and stuff for the, for the people. So I, what I would do is, like, oh, hey, whose birthday is it in March? Stand up. <laughs> you know? And i just wait for them to stand up. Oh, hey, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And we'd sing the song, happy birthday to And I'd like, happy birthday to all of you. <laughs> happy birthday. You know? And then we would cut the cake and eat it. And it was so bad. Be- and they were the worst because it was so impersonal. You know, I always feel like monthly birthday celebrations were so impersonal. Don't judge me we're working on a budget. You know, we can't give everybody their own birthday party, you know? So that's what we do. But, you know, that was the best we could do, but I always I was always disappointed by it because I always felt like it was so impersonal and it was, and I made it much worse by being much more impersonal myself. So what does that have to do with this verse? You know, a lot of times people think that when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, the forgiveness and the salvation that he offered well, something that happened 2,000 years ago, it's like this this, 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 this uh, generic, impersonal offer of salvation that he just kind of put out there on the table, and it's just up to you. If you kind of want it, you can just come along and take it, you know? But it's not like it was personal, but it was just like, yeah, everyone gets to celebrate in this. If you kind of just want it, it's up to you, and we kind of treat it like that. I don't know if you've ever treated salvation like that or if you ever kind of pictured salvation to be like that. But if you did, you know, I seriously want you to know that that is not an accurate picture of what Christ did. You see, what this verse is telling us is that the moment Adam sinned in the garden, God all of a sudden went on this elaborate rescue mission. Do you notice that there's a word rescued in this verse? It's for he has rescued us from darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. What it's saying is that he went on this elaborate rescue mission to save each and every single one of us right? When Christ died upon the cross, he knew exactly who he was dying for. He knew the name of every single sheep that he was going to save. And so with us and the glory of God in mind, the Son of God decides to become a man, live a holy life, and die upon the cross. Not just for a generic impersonal salvation, but he died personally, you know, for Eddie, you know, For Isaac, right? Hello. (laughs) You know, for Nathan. You know, he died personally for each one of us. And that's why it's awesome. We pray for people to be thankful for that salvation because it was so personal for Jesus. It was huge. Jesus dying on the cross wasn't just some forgiveness blanket that that he spread over mankind He went to the cross with you in mind. He wanted to save you from the dominion of darkness so that he could spend all of eternity with you in his kingdom. And he did it because he truly has a purpose and a calling for you that has nothing to do with evil, that has nothing to do with sin, that has nothing to do with darkness, but has everything to do with him. And that's what you have to realize. Salvation is not just not going to hell. A lot of times we think that's what salvation is. Oh, i save from hell. Thank God. But it's so much more than that. That's, that's part of it. But it's so much more than that. It's all about being known. And it's all about being loved personally by Jesus himself. And as a response, being able to use the rest of our lives here on earth to be able to serve him back personally. If Jesus Christ personally gave his life with us in mind, and we realize that within our hearts, that that's all salvation is, then as a response, we can now give ourselves to him personally with all that with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and being. And that's what salvation is. You know, when we first got saved, that was crystal clear, right? If you remember back when you first got saved, you first heard the gospel, you first got overwhelmed by forgiveness and all that stuff, that was so crystal clear. That's all I want to do. Oh, God, you're awesome, and that's all I want to do with my life. But as life goes on, that clarity becomes clear a little clouded, doesn't it? And that's the reason why we have to pray for people, you know? So it can continually be clear every single day. You know, people who continually operate with a fresh realization of the evil and the darkness that they've been saved from, they live each day thankful, not only that they're a citizen, you know, in the beauty And the blessings of the kingdom, but they get to celebrate each day thankful that they're a child, right? Who is continually loved and celebrated and empowered by the king of that kingdom personally. When was the last time you felt loved by God personally? When was the last time you felt celebrated by God personally? When was the last time that you felt empowered by God personally? We need some prayer, don't we? That's why we pray for others, to be thankful for their salvation, so they can walk away from God every single day, personally loved, joyful, celebrated, so that they can live for God, which leads us to our last point. Lastly, we pray for people that they'll be thankful for their sinlessness. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness Of sin, That word redemption is not the same as forgiveness. You know, redemption means to buy back or to compensate for. To forgive means to pardon. But here, both of these words are being used, you know, next to each other to describe the heart behind what caused Jesus to go to the cross. Jesus wants us to live in the confidence that what he redeemed will always be secure. Who he's forgiven can never change. And that's the point here. Right? But the thing is, that all came at a cost. Redemption, forgiveness of sins, that cost Christ his life. So, what's the point? The point is, he wants us to remember that we were that valuable to him, that our redemption and our forgiveness was so valuable to him, that he was willing, totally willing, to give himself. Up so that we could be redeemed and forgiven forever. We pray for people to be thankful for their sinlessness so they can now live just as sinlessly as Christ did, as a response, right? And as they're reminded of the absolutely unselfish, crazy love that drove Christ to redeem us from our sins, hopefully all we'll want to do is to live just as sinlessly and just as crazy for Christ. That's why we need to keep prayer. That's why we need to pray for people so that their hearts and their minds will be totally focused on living sinlessly for the Lord. Do you guys get it? Do you guys get that? Sermon's done. Isn't that amazing? Short sermon today. Praise the Lord. So let's pray for others to be continually thankful for their sainthood, for their salvation, and their sinlessness. But if I can end, let me just say this. You know, Thanksgiving is so important. Thanksgiving is like everything. You know, when I said that it is the doorway, it is the pathway to living each day in the grace of God, it truly, truly is. You know, when I know personally, when I'm not thankful for Jesus Christ, everything goes wrong. You know, my whole life becomes religious, pastoring becomes a job, prayer becomes a chore. Serving becomes something that I brag about, right? which is solely wicked and demented. And instead of worshiping Christ, I become arrogant. I become self-centered. And I end up worshiping myself. And that guides how I live my life. Right? It's so essential that we, say, we stay thankful. You know, after many years of faith, I've discovered that the only way to stay thankful is to actually keep the grace of God fresh within our hearts. That's everything. The gospel of Jesus Christ is everything, right? So that's why we need prayer, so that the gospel will always be fresh within our hearts. Can you imagine a life where you're genuinely thankful to God every single day for making him, or making us his child? Can you imagine being genuinely thankful for that every day? Can you imagine being genuinely thankful uh, every single day for your salvation and genuinely thankful that you've been forgiven of your sins, that is a life that will grow intensely. And that is why we pray for thanksgiving in people's lives. As we close this whole series on prayers that change everything, you know, can I just really invite you, if you haven't already, to please pray regularly for people. You know, pray now that you guys are as part of CGs, now that you see the faces, or maybe you'll see them today, Start playing, praying, for your CG members. That's all. That's it. That's, I just want you to pray for your CG members. Okay, I don't. You don't have to pray for anyone else except for me. But <laughs> you know, but pray for your CG members and just pray for them. You know, pray that pray regularly for them so that their whole life will become a devotion to the Lord. Pray that they'll bear fruit, that they'll grow in the knowledge of God. Pray, you know, that they'll be empowered by the Spirit each and every single day, and that they'll be thankful for the gospel every single day of their lives, and they'll operate their lives in the grace. Out of the grace and out of their thanksgiving for the grace of God. You know, you do that, then you're positioning your brothers and sisters in our church to intensely grow. Can we do that? I want to be part of a church where everyone's praying for each other and everyone's hungering to grow, right? Church, where church is actually about Jesus and people who are all about Jesus and that want to grow to have more of Jesus. Let's dedicate ourselves to becoming men and women of prayer. Let's pray. I know all of us need prayer. You know, a lot of times when we listen to messages like this, you're like, oh man, Eddie, I, I, I need that in my life. We all do. That's the whole thing. But if there's anything that we're learning here is that God wants us to pray for our brothers and sisters. And God wants to use those prayers to bless and transform your brothers and sisters. And if we're confident of that, then why don't we dedicate ourselves to praying for our brothers and sisters instead of maybe praying for ourselves as much? So can I ask you, as we close this whole series and we close our worship service today, will you pray for someone other than yourself? Will you pray that they'll grow, that they'll change, that God will do something amazing, that their life will become a devotion to Him? Maybe there's people that you're thinking about that don't even go to church, and you want to pray for them. Pray for them. Let's just spend this time praying for others. Let's pray. thank you so much for this whole series in prayer. God, prayer has to be like some of the most unnatural things to do. None of us want to pray. None of us want to depend upon you. None of us want to humble ourselves. It's not natural. Those are things that we don't naturally want to do. But Father, we, even though we recognize how much we need you to live in this life, how much we need you, God, for our families and our friends and our churches to change. So God, give us the maturity to make these choices to pray. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to be men and women of prayer. Teach us how to be men and women who deny ourselves and make choices that honor you rather than worship ourselves so that our brothers and sisters can know you, so that our brothers and sisters can grow to love you and be loved by you and God to operate for your glory alone. God, that'd be amazing if our church was like that, if our church was characterized by that. We thank you, God, that that's what you're doing now, that you're moving hearts step by step in that direction. Lord, we don't want to lose any of that, so make us a church of prayer. Make us men and women who pray. Make us men and women who just understand that this is the way you're inviting us to partner with you. So, God, we do. And we ask that you continue to work within our lives, continue to make us all that you want us to be and the church that you desire for us to be for your glory. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray.